Flip to Freedom, episode number three. Hello there, my name is Sean Terra, and I'd like to welcome you to Flip to Freedom podcast. This is episode number three. And uh, what we're going to do this, um, uh, this time is actually I'm going to do a tip of the week. I'm going to start initiating a tip of the week. And they're going to be real short tips on uh, what you can use in your business on a daily basis to make money. Now, um, if you're new to the podcast, um, the website here you can go check us out is at fliptofreedom.com. And I'm here to help you escape the nine to five and live the lifestyle of your dreams by learning how you can make a fortune flipping properties in your spare time, even if you're getting started today. Now, uh, like I said, in this episode, we're going to do the tip of the week. And if you want to receive a free blueprint um, on how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less, please visit flip2freedom.com. And on the front page there, you'll see a download button. Uh, you can download the free report. I've got absolute rave reviews about it. It's a 19-week step-by-step process on exactly how to go uh, from zero to $100,000 in income and then from 100000 to over half a million dollars in income flipping properties in your spare time. Now, today we're going to talk about uh, how to negotiate a smoking deal. Um, and this is when you're dealing with a motivated seller. You're sitting down with a motivated seller. You've got a lead come that, that, uh, that comes in. You call them back. You, you realize that they're motivated. You set an appointment with them. And now you go to their house and you sit down with them. And you walk through the property. You build rapport with them. You get them to like and trust you. And now you're going to negotiate the deal. Now, there's tips on negotiating the deal. And the, the first thing to understand is understanding human motivation. Now, human motivation, there are primary two motivations um, that can move a person into action. Number one is desire for gain, is number one. And number two is fear of loss. If you understand both of these motivations, you can use them to trigger action out of your prospect. Now, let's talk about desire for gain. What's desire for gain? Desire for gain is when you're talking to the person about what they can get um, out of doing a transaction with you. So, you know, think about uh, how much money they can receive at closing, um, getting the burden off their back of selling a, uh, a distressed property, of, of stopping the foreclosure. I mean, just think about the feeling of stopping the foreclosure. It would be great, wouldn't it? Um, that, those things would be uh, desire for gain, talking about what a person can get um, out of the transaction. Now, that works okay uh, for motivation, but fear of loss works better. Um, in all my negotiations, I use fear of loss um, when it comes to dealing with motivated sellers and also when I'm selling properties to buyers. Now, let's talk about fear of loss. Fear of loss is when someone um, is afraid that they might lose something. Now, have you ever been to a, uh, um, I don't know, car, car dealership, I guess, and you're looking for a car, and the guy says, listen, this is the only car I've got. Another car is not coming in for six more months. If you want this color, if you want this interior, if you want this package or whatever, then this is the only one we've got. I checked all over the entire state. This is it. And I'm not getting another one for a month. Well, that right there is a fear of loss because you're going, holy cow, if I don't buy this car right now, I'm not going to get this car for another month and I want it right now. That works. It's an extremely powerful motivational tool. And how we use it in real estate is this. 
when I'm sitting down with a prospect and I at, and now first off, let, let me make something uh, clear first. When you first walk into an appointment, you don't use fear of loss within the first 10 minutes. It doesn't work. I tell you that right now. The first motive when you walk in and you're sitting down with a, a prospective client that wants, wants to sell their house, the first thing you want to do is you want to build rapport. And you build rapport by asking the right questions with the prospect and you find out what they like, you know, what, what's, their, what's their hobbies are. Look at the pictures on the wall. Look at the type of um, um, stuff that's in their house that, that might motivate them. It's funny, I'll give you a story um, on a house we purchased not more than a month ago, um, sat down with a buyer. He actually lived, didn't live in the property. It was a rental property that he had. He just wanted to get rid of and uh, went into the house and he had these boats that were handcrafted boats and he had hundreds of them all over the house on walls, displayed everywhere. I walked in the house and talked to him a little bit and, and, and complimented him on, on, the, on his house and I got him talking about these boats and guess what? I was genuinely and truly interested about these boats. Now, it was amazing because I learned a lot about these handcrafted boats that this guy had and he had them all over the room and he told me about each one and where he got them and from you know from who he got them and you know he got one in the Philippines, he got one in Thailand, he got one in Australia and all his travels he would collect these handcrafted boats and he was passionate about those boats. Well, after about 20 minutes talking about his boats and complimenting him and being interested in it, um, I was able to establish a rapport level to where I could sit down and start talking about numbers and start, start talking about buying his house. That is the absolute first thing you want to do when you uh, go into a house and you're meeting a client is sit down and build a rapport with them. Now, you'll know after you've done this for a while how much rapport you need to build to be able to then go into the numbers. And it might take 10 minutes. I built report people in 10 minutes. It might take half hour. It might even take an hour to go through with them before they'll get to like you and trust you. But you will know it. Because as soon as you talk about numbers, if it's too premature, it's like taking a round peg and cramming it into a square hole. It just doesn't work. You have to have time to build rapport with the people. Now, back to fear of loss. All right, so you build rapport with the person. Now you're going to talk about the property. Now, what I do after you know you're talking about a number, and obviously you want to get it at, at the absolute best number you possibly can. And by arriving, you know, to the best number is about um, obviously showing low comparable sales in the neighborhood. If you do that, or just asking, listen, if I was going to pay cash and I could close next week, what is the absolute minimum amount of cash you'd take for this property? Um, if I paid all the closing costs, I took the burden off your hand and I could do it next week and let them come back with an answer. They'll come back with uh, something and uh, very rarely uh, they'll come back. Well, sometimes they do. They come back with, well, why don't you give me a number first? If they want you to give me a number, you know, a number first, I usually come back um, and say, listen, you know, give me a ballpark of an idea of what you're thinking. And sometimes they'll come back and sometimes they won't. If they want me to give a number first, then I will pull you know, comps in the neighborhood that are bank-owned properties and typically they're fairly depressed just like the property I'm buying. And I'll show them, say, listen, these are properties that I could buy right down the street. You know, and I could probably get them for less because I could put offers in them for less. Um, 
you know, so for your particular property, I need to be way under this number to be able to make my numbers work. Because if I'm going to turn around and sell it, you know, potentially at this price, then I need to be at a deep discount number. So fear loss is, is, is basically first off finding out a number. And then number two, if you can, number two is to say, listen, you know what? I, you know, before I can, you know, can commit, you know, to buying this thing, um, you know, obviously I have to have the, uh, the best price I possibly can. And to basically get to that particular level, you can say, listen, I, I've got a limited amount of cash. You know, I can buy your house and I can commit to it and I can buy it next week or I can, you know, I've got another appointment um, that I'm going to, and I'm, I, and if I like the house and the floor plan looks great and, and everything works out, I could buy that particular house. But the bottom line is, is that, is that, you know, if I commit to your house, then I'll buy it and we'll get it and we'll get everything going. If I commit to the other house that I'm going to and the appointment later today, then guess what? I've only have a limited amount of cash and I won't be able to purchase another property for, you know, maybe 30 to 45 days depending on it takes me to get out of this. So, so, you know, I know you said you might want to think about it and think about the pricing and stuff like that, but listen, you know, if you want to make a decision on it, now's the time to do it because, you know what? Um, like I said, I have a limited amount of cash. Another way, another example that you can use, um, is just, which works great, is say, you know, listen, after looking at the property, I really like you, I really like the house, but you know what? The house doesn't, just doesn't work for me. You know, the floor plan is, is just not what I feel like would be a sellable floor plan. Um, you know, and like I said, it's, you know, the house, you know, just doesn't work for me. And, you know, I, I you know, I've, probably buy a house down the street for a similar price and you know maybe if I could find a floor plan that, that might be better so um, thank you for your time but you know I, I just I, I just you know can't see how it's you know can work for me you know, if I'd have to move walls down I'd have to do a lot of different things to it to make it a, a sellable floor plan because you know that was one of the biggest things a person a buyer coming in and looking for a property they want to have a good floor plan of course so you know thanks for your time and uh, you know yeah, you know, I'll talk to you later. So, doing that is basically setting the stage that guess what? You don't need the property. You know, if you walk in and you're hungry and you go, I gotta get this, I gotta get this deal, and you're needy, well, forget it. You're not gonna get it. Like a dog, humans can sense that you need that deal. When I walk in to a property, I'm negotiating. If I get the deal, great. If I don't, great. Who cares? But how you really want to use fear, loss, and motivation is get up and walk away and say, guess what? It doesn't work for me. Then pause. And then say, you know what? If we could cut a deal, I'm not saying we can, what would be the best price? You know, could you take a little off that? You can do any better if I was going to pay cash. Because there is a lot of things I have to do to this property to make it functional. And then shut up. Guess what? They will start talking. And they might come down even a little bit after that. And then if they give you a number and they say, well, first number is 60,000, second number comes down, well, I can do probably maybe 55. Guess what you ask? Is that the best you can do? And they might come down, they might, they might keep talking. You keep asking the question until they stop and they say, that's it. That's my bottom line number. I'll give me an example. Yesterday was a crazy day. Talk about negotiating all over the place. Um, we had a we have a property in escrow that we're closing. Today is Wednesday. We're closing on Friday. 
Um, we're under contract on it for uh, $115, plus they have about $2,600 in back taxes. Um, we found out, and the, the owner disclosed that there was permits on the property, giving it an extra 600 square feet. Said there was permits, told us there was permits, yada, yada, yada. We went down to the city. We pulled the permits on the property and found out there was no permits on the property. Well, we disclosed to our buyer, our cash buyer, that there was permits on the property per the seller. Well, since there wasn't any permits on the property, guess what? We had to do renegotiation. So I renegotiated with the buyer, and then I went and renegotiated with the seller. And when we renegotiated with the seller, I basically said, listen, you know what? I'm not closing on Friday. I, don't, I can't buy this deal. There's no permits. I'm going to have to bring in the city. We're going to have to do a whole bunch. I'm not doing it. I, I, I can't do it. Unless... You give me a discount on the price. And guess what? You gave me a discount for $7,000, and I passed that on to the buyer. Now, and it worked because the buyer was happy. We were happy. All parties were happy. You know, I mean, the, the guy wanted to close. That, he, that was his biggest thing. He wanted to get this property off his hand. It was inherited. He didn't want to do anything to do with it. The buyer was happy because I disclosed it to him because I wanted to keep the relationship. Because you know what? If I would have sold him that property and he was thinking there was permits and, I, and we would have closed on it and then he found out there was no permits, well, number one, there goes my credibility. And number two, I'll never do a deal with that guy again. And see, this guy is a very solid cash buyer and my relationship with him was more important than that deal. So, But I wanted to be able to pass on the savings to the buyer so then he when he's dealing with the city and stuff he'll have a cushion to be able to hang on to it for the next you know couple months or so so what's the result the result is fear of loss use fear of loss in negotiating that is the bottom line before you go in and you sit down with a buyer know exactly what the price is that you need to be to make the deal work number one number two figure out a fear of loss that you can go in and negotiate with that buyer and make sure that you are 100% focused on, on on doing that if you go into an appointment and you have no idea where you need to be or no idea what your price you need to be at then guess what you're not gonna cut the deal but if you know exactly the price you need to be at then guess what you can work your way down. It's not going to happen on the first, you know, maybe the first, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. It's going to take time to develop the rapport, to build a relationship, and ask the question continuously until you get the deal. And uh, that's the name of the game. Now, next episode, what are we going to talk about? Um, last episode, I talked about the seven effective steps to wholesaling. And I said that we're basically going to break those down in detail. I'm going to continue with that podcast. Moving forward, um, what I talked about, the seven effective steps of wholesaling, I'm going to break down each one um, basically in detail. I'm going to uh, you know, talk about um, each step, you know, which is uh, setting up your business, marketing for buyers, marketing for sellers, getting the contract, which is negotiation, opening escrow, selling the property, and determining whether you do it via assignment or double escrow. And the best part is then collecting your check. Um, what is the most effective way to, to make that happen? So stay tuned for the future podcast. Make sure you subscribe by, via iTunes. Comment if you like. Um, rate us if you like. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, also, too, remember, if you want to uh, download my free report that I put, uh, that I basically... Uh, I wrote was 19, uh, basically 19 weeks to where you can quit your job um, 
in record time, it's, uh, it's been great. So it's uh, how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less. So go to uh, flip2freedom.com. Uh, you can go there. You can download it. You can subscribe to the podcast. We have articles on there um, about the business and uh, also, too, in the future here, we're going to come up and we're going to be launching a, uh, a site to where we're going to explain this in detail and give you all the information so you can basically hold your hand. It's going to be coming up here shortly. So uh, definitely stay tuned. And if you have any questions, please comment and I will be happy to answer them for you. Otherwise, have a great week. God bless. And we will see you in the next episode. Take care. 